There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 52 of Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve, and tonight we'll be discussing episode one of season two of The Magicians. Oh my gosh. Okay, before we get into everything, I have to say, I really felt like this should have been longer for the opener. Because there was so much happening, so much, and I just wanted more time. (laughs) Yes, it needed to be a two-hour season premiere. Uh, if only. (laughs) Well, you got ratings. You found the ratings for us already. Yes, the... Premiere had a 0.5 in adults 18 to 29 and 1.29 million viewers. I think that's pretty good. There were so many people tweeting. Yes. And I love the fact that the cast was all tweeting with us. I did live tweeting. I was so happy. I was back to it. Uh, Yes, I was glad you were, too, (laughs) because I was having to live tweet frequency. (laughs) And it just amazes me all the time how into everything that the cast seems to be, and, you know, I love it. Love it. Yeah, they're an awesome cast. There's no doubt about it. Yes, they are. The Magician's Writer's Room. They liked a couple of our tweets, so thank you guys. And, of awesome. course, Arjun Gupta, who plays Penny. He he is awesome because he always answers. So if you guys are even thinking, oh, these people never answer. No, these people answer. Like, I don't yes. think we've had a show on sci-fi yet that we've talked about that the room either the writer's room or the cast in some point is not talking to us so you guys make sure you guys are out there tweeting it helped boost the ratings too because you had told us previously that nielsen is now showing like the data on it correct right so guys make sure you you tweet with them and seriously arjun gupta you're awesome <laughs> yes, he, is. He, he answers so quick too he's great but uh, it's been a little quiet on the news front, but Steve has not just one, but two news facts for us this time. All right. From Deadline.com, dated today, Chasing Life alumni Aisha D. has been cast as a series regular opposite Amy Forsythe in the second installment of Sci-Fi's anthology horror series, Channel Zero, No End House, Woo. set for premiere later this year. Inspired by Brian Russell's creepypasta tale, Channel Zero No End House tells the story of a young woman named Margot Slater who visits the No End House, a bizarre house of horrors that consists of a series of increasingly disturbing rooms. When she returns home, Margot realizes everything has changed. Dee will play a stubbornly independent and a bit type A, Jules. Although Jules is loyal to her longtime best friend, Margot, she doesn't always know how to deal with messy emotional situations. Dee plays Kennedy on MTV's Sweet Vicious and has and will be seen in a starring role in Freeform's upcoming series The Bold Type, set for premiere this summer. In addition to Chasing Life, Dee's other previous credits include a starring role on Fox's 
I Hate My Teenage Daughter, and guest roles on Freeform's Baby Daddy and IFC's Comedy Bang Bang. She's ripped by Gershon Ellen Meyer Management. Interesting. The first season was so good and creepy. Yeah. So I can't wait for second season of Channel Zero. This should be interesting. And even if you didn't watch first season, guys, definitely get into second season because they're just going to be independent stories because it's based on different, like he said, tales off of creepypasta, which if you've heard of the Slender Man, I'm sure you somehow found creepypasta then. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And now you have another one from Deadline.com. Apparently, yes. we need to like join forces with them because they're awesome. Yes, they really are. <laughs> uh, from last week, Lily Maronick, friends with benefits, has signed on for a series regular role opposite Chris Maloney in the sci-fi pilot Happy, based on Grant Morrison and Derek Robertson's graphic novel. Originally written by Morrison and co-created with artist Derek Robertson, Happy from Universal Cable Productions follows Nick Sachs, an intoxicated, corrupt ex-cop turned hitman, who is adrift in a world of casual murder, soulless sex, and betrayal. After a hit gone wrong, his inebriated life is forever changed by a tiny, relentlessly positive, imaginary blue-winged horse. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Veronica will play Detective Meredith McCarthy, a tough homicide detective in a man's world. She's a good cop who's had to swallow her pride and give up her ideals to save her job and protect her elderly mother. Will the secrets of her past bring damnation or redemption? Veronica's TV credits include Person of Interest, Blue Bloods, Grimm, and Grey's Anatomy. She also had arcs on Public Morals, Elementary, and the web series Swedish Dicks alongside Peter Stormeyer. Most recently, she can be seen in the upcoming digital series Beer Fest. Veronica is repped by ICM Partners. Morrison and Brian Taylor will write and ex executive produce. Neil Morantz, Pavan Shetty, and Toby Jaffe of Original Film will also executive produce. Taylor will direct the pilot. So this is awesome. They're bringing another graphic novel to life on sci-fi. Yes. This makes me so happy. And I, I'm really hoping this actually helps increase sales too of all these graphic novels because sci-fi has put so many on the air at this point i mean we've talked about it's not even all on sci-fi is it what four by now mm -hmm. yeah so guys go to your local comic book store because obviously uh there's a lot of good stuff out there and it's not all the mainstream it's not all marvel and dc there's a whole nother group out there of independence and definitely check all these out because you know maybe you can come up with the storyline to pitch to sci-fi based on some of these comic books. You never know. We might be talking right. about you next. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into, oh, my gosh, what we've been waiting for. The Magician. Yes. Episode one entitled Night of Crown. In the aftermath of their clash with the Beast, Quentin and his friends scramble for a new plan while Julia and the Beast strike a dangerous deal. Okay. I think we we know how I felt about Julia at the end of last season. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you, beginning of season two, not feeling better. No. I mean, not yet. a teeny bit, I guess, as they progressed through the episode with their storyline. Right. She had the opportunity to go completely dark, and she didn't. Yeah, but I just feel like she is. It's all about her and not about the big picture, which I understand. Because right. of the situation, 
because it, I'm sure anybody listening already knows what happened season one. And yes. I still didn't get the book. I was very upset because I couldn't get the autographed copy. Yeah, I'm being a big baby. But <laughs> it was the same price for the autographed copy and the not autographed copy when I was in New York. And I wanted the autographed copy then if I'm paying the same price, but whatever. So I didn't end up getting it yet. But I, I understand in the book that her ordeal was far more graphic. But where we are from what we've seen, because obviously Steve and I are, I guess, at a little disadvantage here because we have not read the books. Right. But what we've seen, what happened to Julia, it's all about revenge. And knowing everything that's happened in Fillory, knowing that she had been there, what, 36 times before? 38? I'm losing the number already. Right. Yeah. It was in the upper 30s. I mean, it was 39 times that they went through the oh, okay. the loop okay. where they weren't all killed. <laughs> well, well, knowing that, because she did find that out before she decided to kind of join forces with the Beast, you think that she would realize the greater good is taking this guy out. Yeah. But she just wanted her revenge. And that just, I can understand it, but it irks me. And so it's really hard to be on Julia's side, even though, like you said, she had the chance to let it go and kind of be free of any consequences. Right. Any conscience. Yeah. Well, I say consequences because obviously the beast doesn't care what happens with what he does. So I kind of feel like it would be the same for her. But uh, I don't know. I cannot be super sympathetic based on everything that we know and what we've seen. Right. What do you think? She's not a bad guy yet, but she's sure getting close. Yeah, I think she's walking that line a little too much. I mean, yeah, you you have your Star Wars references. She hasn't quite gone to the dark side. Dark side, yes. <laughs> she's not quite Darth Vader, but she sure as hell is not Luke and Leia, okay? Right. <laughs> so I'm, I know there's Dark Jedi, and there's like that gray area in the, the AU, but I don't have all that information. And I'm guessing at some point she's in this gray area that we're talking about, but oh, I don't know. She, it just makes it really hard to root for her in any way, even though she's had, basically she's been dealt a crap hand. <sighs> I don't know. And then the beast. Okay, the the man, and I'm blanking on his name again. I should write this shit down before we start. <laughs> this actor, I, I do love him because I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But the way he plays the beast, where he's kind of, he's not, a total jackass, but I, you know he's not a good guy in any way. Right. And I just feel like he's almost, like, taunting her. Yes. He he loves taunting all of them. It's a game to him. But I, it was almost, like, not quite taunting. Does that make sense? Like, he's <laughs> like, oh, I understand what you've been through, and I understand that it's dark because I had this happen, and that was something I was not expecting. Right. Him to explain to her, and very nonchalantly. Right. And so that's what kind of threw me. That's why I feel like it's not quite taunting her, because then he's like, and you have something surrounding you. You could let it go. I can help you. And he does, and I kind of felt like he was doing it to really help her. But you knew there's got to be something that he would get out of it. Because oh, he's absolutely. Not, yeah, he's not a stand-up kind of guy. No. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts? on the beast and julie i know i've kind of tiptoed around the whole thing because (laughs) if i go into it in depth it's gonna be weird although i am gonna say two things with this one he had a weird fixation i felt like with kids because he pops them back into you know our reality 
in a ball pit, it, like a chocolate right. cheese or something. And then he tells her at 1.2, oh, since you're going to go for this, can you drop me off at the playground? I like watching the kids. That's creepy. Yes, very creepy. And uh, so other than the creep factor with that, because that just notches it up more than his normal creep factor. What did you feel about the dynamic between the Beast and Julia in this episode? Well, the Beast definitely has the upper hand when it comes to Julia, even though she's trying to, you know, make make this deal to where she gets what she wants and gets Renard the Fox, and then he can go free as long as they don't hurt, he doesn't hurt any of the rest of the group. And it's like, he even tells her, you're a lousy deal maker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So he's got the whole upper hand in this partnership, and it's going to end very badly, I'm afraid, for Julia, if she's not very, very careful. Yeah, I just feel... Or gets very, very lucky. Oh, that's true. I feel like she would have had to have several lawyers behind her to try to work out this deal and word everything perfectly. Right. And, yeah, I I have to agree with you. I don't think it's going to end up really well going the way she wants it to. No. No, the Beast is a used car salesman. Yeah. <laughs> He'll tell you everything he wants to, you want to hear. Want to hear, yeah. uh-huh. Until the end, and you've already signed the paper, and then you see, look at the fine print, and oh, what have I done? All right. Uh, okay, well, we'll have to see more of what's happening with them, because I think it is going to be really, it's going to be baby steps for Julia, and the beast is just going to be, like, running her over. Right. So we'll see how that goes. Shall we talk about High King Elliot <laughs> and Miss Margot? Oh, they were in rare form in this episode. Oh. There was no doubt about that. I just loved it. <laughs> the writer's room was so on point with Margot and her, like, just one-liners. Yes. And obviously, when I say one-liners, it's not comedy, but it's just her being snarky but it was just so perfect everything she said yes it was great (laughs) i loved it um i guess before we really get into them like we should talk a minute about because it's kind of hard to talk about it without just like throwing this out quentin realizes until elliot is officially crowned by fillery nobody's going to recognize him as high king right so they have to make their awesome journey to go find it find basically the crown Right. And then Elliot, Elliot's like, wait, I, I get a crown. This is awesome. And Quentin's like, wait, you get to name two, what, three others. Right. As high king and queen. I'm like, seriously, this is so very Narnia. Yeah. <laughs> but it was fun because they take the, their little quest and they find it. But in this is when I felt so happy and like the love and friendship because I don't think Elliot and Margo have ever actually been like, together together like right. dating so like just their love showed through when they ended up finding the crowns and elliot decided to put one on margo and oh it was the sweetest sweetest moment and it wasn't like <laughs> oh it's so snappy i love you no just like what he told her this is what you've always meant to be i knew you were always meant to be this and you know, what was it? Um, Queen Margot the Fierce or something? I can't even remember. <laughs> but it was just great because it was just this awesome moment. And so many people were tweeting about that and how great that the whole crowning ceremony was. But Elliot and Margot truly feel like there is a 
a love between them. And it makes me so happy because that's what serious friendship is about, right? Absolutely. And, of course, Elliot is just amazing anyway. For instance, when they find, <laughs> when they cross the Rainbow Bridge and they get to the crowd and they have to answer questions from the knight guarding the Yes. <laughs> the crowd. <laughs> because it was so freaking stupid and I loved it. I so, uh, you know that the writer's room, or I'm sorry, because I don't know if this was in the book. So either the original writer of the books or the writer's room for this were fans of Monty Python. Yeah. It had <laughs> to be. Very Monty Python-ish. <laughs> because they're like, is he dead? And then the knight's like, oh, I must have died when you were, while I was waiting for you. But that's. Yeah, that's, you were late. <laughs> he's like, you must answer these questions. And I wanted, I wanted the lines from Monty Python, Holy Grail. <laughs> what is your name? What is your quest? <laughs> and you either get the easy, what is your favorite color, or really hard one with what is the wind, was it, what's the wind speed of the flight of a sparrow carrying a coconut? It's like, wait, uh, yeah. what? <laughs> I loved it. But the questions here were even better. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and this is weird. And I know, and somebody pointed this out. How the heck does this knight know anything about, was it the 90s, early 90s? Yes. <laughs> because he asks what was Tim's dailies. Yeah, what popular American television program stars actor Tim Daly? Yes, <laughs> which is funny. And then talking about, it was Wilson Phillips, it turned out. Yeah, hit single is performed by offspring of famous entertainers. Right, which, yeah, that narrows down so much. <laughs> yeah, so much. <laughs> <laughs> which is why I'll, But I'll, the girls got that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, after they gave the hint, he gave, I'll give you a hint. Yeah. The Beach Boys. Which was just funny, because he seemed, like, so excited, like, hmm, guess what I thought? Hold on. This is... Yeah. <laughs> Fargo says, that song is my jam. <laughs> and then, of course, that's when Quentin figures out Wings is the show for Tim Daly. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you think now, I mean, oh, my gosh, Tim Daly, which I didn't realize, was the voice of, I think, animated Superman? Superman or Batman? I'm blanking on it now. So. And so, I mean, hello, huge hit there. And <laughs> so Ellie comes up and says, ask me something about Patrick Swayze. Oh, my gosh, I love <laughs> You know night. of Swayze? And he bows. <laughs> and so <laughs> Ellie goes and grabs Alice. Uh, I wanted the dance scene to happen. I know. Because <laughs> he does the whole little spiel at the end of Dirty Dancing. And somebody's, right. you know, oh, there was a lot of somebody's. Tweeting, going, please say don't. Nobody puts baby in the corner, please. <laughs> it was the greatest scene, just because it wasn't campy. It was just kind of funny and sweet with the whole crowning that went on after. But I loved that they oh, did that. It was just so fun. So I'm glad that you know they got to have fun, and I felt like it was it was kind of like poking fun a little bit at some of the super serious things that happened. You know, when you see, like, oh, the the king and queen are being crowned. I, I like the way they did this one. I yes. definitely give them a thumbs up for that. Yeah, we end up with High King Elliot, the spectacular High Queen Margot, the destroyer, Queen Alice, the wise. <laughs> and then, well. King Quentin, the moderately socially maladjusted. <laughs> <laughs> it was great because Quentin named Elliot. 
Elliot named Margo. Margo named Alice. And then somehow, wait, no, Margo, did she name Alice? No, Elliot named Alice. No, yeah, Elliot named Alice. Margo named Britain. <laughs> After apologizing for um, what happened last season. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. But, I, but I don't remember any of it anyway. Right. So. And the whole time Penny's just sitting there, like, rolling his eyes. Yeah. After he just. He had a whole thing, which we can go talk about now. Yeah. Because his... we all know what happened at the end of last season, because Steve and I were completely shocked. We're like, everybody's dead. Well, dead, yeah. Everybody's not dead, because apparently Alice was super juiced still. Still. By God juice. Place we won't go into. <laughs> you know what I mean. Talking out the side of my mouth there. Uh-huh. And so she saved herself. She stopped the bleeding from Penny, but she wasn't able to attach his hand. And right. she brought Elliot Margo back, which I guess we probably should have opened with that. Because <laughs> we just got to skip back to that because I got excited about some of the other stuff. Right. And Quentin, of course, is running around the forest, finds a woman with a candy garden. <laughs> so we asked. Little uh, Hansel and Gretel fill there. Yeah. But she's like, <laughs> I just need a vial of your blood then. It's like, uh. What? For what? Right. Maybe. <laughs> My business, none of yours. But she, I mean, this strange woman who we don't know about yet, and I'm assuming she's going to come back at some point. Oh, absolutely. Especially when she says, you know, you're in Fillory now, magician. Not everyone is as they appear to be. It's like, oh, crap. What does this mean? Yeah. That just seems real <laughs> ominous to me, but I'm sure we'll find out more. Yes. But poor Penny had to get his hands reattached because he was holding them in a box. <laughs> with his arms and bloody stubs. He just looked so shell-shocked the whole time, just looking at it. Like, my hands are in there. What do I do? <laughs> and I can understand, too, because, I mean, as we have learned last season, everything that the magicians do are hand movement. Yes. Hand and fingers. So if you don't have it, it doesn't matter if you remember everything. If you could chant everything, you have no way to produce what you need to do. Yes. So I can Earthless. And a traveler, oh, gotta drive him nuts. Right? Well, again, there's a place of healing and Quentin and his, I love how he pulls out the book of Fillory, like their, yes. you know, their guidelines for everything. Roadmaps, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, but it's worked so far, so, you know, who am I yeah. to, who am I to say that sucks? <laughs> I'm yeah. just thinking those are pretty heavy books. Some of them are big. It's like, Carrying around the last George R. R. Martin book, Giant Torrent. Right. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Chatwin's Torrent is where Penny needs to go, a healing river. And Margot agrees to go. I was surprised at that. Yeah. Um, she and she had one of those awesome lines. <laughs> I'll good. grab like a gallon and then turns to Penny and says, you're wiping your own ass, so figure that out. <laughs> oh, I was dying. <laughs> no. Now, Jason watched this season with me, and he looked at me and goes, is she always like that? Because I like her. Because <laughs> he had no idea. You know, he didn't watch last season. I'm like, yeah, she's right. great. Because he's laid on the couch sick, and I'm watching this. He's like, I like her. She's pretty awesome. <laughs> I want to be Margo when I grow up, apparently. <laughs> just like spout it out but whatever well when they get to the river though they're like I love it Penny's still holding the box it's just it's funny to me but it's not just cause he's like yeah. I don't know what to do so I just jump in with them it's like how are you gonna hold on to them yeah you're gonna like 
I mean, really, because you can't even hold it on. I'm like trying to figure that out. Like, would you shove them under your armpits and then hold your like stumps to them and hope for the best? Yeah, that or you leave the box, put the box at the bottom, and then stick your stumps in and push your stumps into the your hands against the end of the box. Didn't think about that. But, yeah, but of course there was a guard there, there who wanted payment for helping and Penny has the Penny attitude. <laughs> well, that's because the guy didn't say he's, you know, starts with, Oh, you'll need to help sew them back on. Here you yeah. go. I have some. It's like, all right, why are you carrying some around? Like that <laughs> giant needle and just random thread. This seems weird. And then, yeah, after Penny goes in and, and gets fixed, I'm guessing at that point is when Margot kind of figured, Okay, maybe you have to be here to have it fixed. Because I don't right. know, you know, whatever's wrong with you. Because I don't think she took any water, did she? No. Okay. No, she was going to give him the canteen for payment, and I guess he went ahead and took it. Because hmm. I didn't see ever see it again the rest of the episode. Well, and then he does something to Penny, because he has Penny's little attitude. And, well, I mean, you can't blame him. Right. I mean, that's like saying, oh, hey, let me help you change your flat tire. Oh, by the yeah. way, that's going to be 50 bucks. Right. Like, in this case, it was 20 gold pieces or if you'd rather pay in labor, three to five years. Right. <laughs> yeah. First of all, you're living in the time of the beast and he's basically killing Fillory. You're lucky if it's going to be around in three to five years at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Penny went off on him and then the. They start walking away as Penny's mad. Even when Margo's like, these are diamonds. And she's like going to give him her earrings. And I love it. He's like, what are diamonds? Right. I was like, oh, ouch. I guess there's no way to get around this. They don't exactly have gold pieces. Nope. And so he puts a spell on Penny's hands to keep them from working right. Yeah. Cause <laughs> as Penny later finds out. Well, his hand is kind of like. Flipped up at one point and did weird Right. Stuff. Now, what is it that you think he did? Because I actually asked this. And right. Arjun had answered, and he's like, well, I can tell you, but what is it that you guys think happened? Because he obviously is not going to give it away. And a lot of, of people not. had posted up the same thing. So before I tell you what it was said online, what do you think happened? I think he put a spell on the hands to do exactly the opposite of what Penny was wanting them to do. Okay. And a lot of people said that he, he like, switched the hand. Oh. So, like, left is right, right is left. So, again, doing magic. But Penny would have noticed that. Well, not physically, but, like, what Oh, okay. Like, so magic-wise, like, anything you do with your right hand, you have to do a specific motion. Instead, it's It's doing... It's occurring on the other hand, right. Right. So things, kind of like you said, so it's kind of right. opposite but it's just like yeah the motions are reading kind of backward so he tried to create fire or you know he tried to create ice and created fire Is that right? right so i don't know i'm hoping we find out because while well, penny's looking for the guy now it's like oh this isn't gonna work i need to apologize because i was a dick yeah although the guy wasn't too uh, taken with his apology no not at all it was funny, and I, I, I do swear on this, which I, I'm sure you guys have figured out by now. I will leave this one, but he's the guy. Let me put it in terms that you will understand, because it's basically the same thing Penny told him. And 
And the word starts with an F. We'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy wasn't too happy. So it makes me wonder, do you think they are somehow going to work this out where Penny could either be free of this spell or get the guy to reverse it? Like either they figure it out or the guy finally reverses it. Oh, I think it'll take a visit from Elliot. And once the guy realizes that Penny is a friend of the High King, he'll reverse it reluctantly. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll see. So do we want to talk about Quentin and Alice or shall we talk a little bit more about what's happening over in the new castle that Elliot has found? Oh, yes. His castle is quite something else. It's interesting because when you say castle, you have a very, well, at least I have a very, like, specific idea. Right. What it's like, even what old castles are like, which you've actually been overseas. Yes, I've seen seen. many castles. (laughs) So what do you think, how do you think they compare? Like, what you've seen as to what we've seen in Fillory? Probably fairly close. I mean, some of the ruins you could probably pass off as... That castle. Really? <laughs> that I've seen, okay. yeah. And even though, what was it, the White Spire, I think is what they called it? Yes. The White Spire was where they were going, and it had people who have been taking care of the castle since the last king was there. Right. It was very plundered. Yes. Because they went for the armory, which is supposed to have basically magic the library. books. Yeah. <laughs> and The best book. And you've seen that there were swords on the wall because they were all taken because you've seen like the kind of dusty shape in the, on the wall. Uh huh. Yeah. So do we think it's the people who've been working there the whole time? It wouldn't surprise me in the least. Apparently they there's a lot of didn't stuff. seem quite, shall we say, um, honest and um, upfront about everything. Having the king return, a new king show up. You know, they were polite, but not Total. Right. Ah, wow. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening, which I don't want to talk about, which I think you know what seat I'm talking about. Right. This one moment <laughs> just yet. So let's get back to Quentin and Alice, and let's talk about how they've progressed since the last season. Well, Alice is still not having anything to do with Quentin. Mm-hmm. And even though Margot basically apologized for getting Quentin in the situation that he got in that caused Alice to break up with him. (laughs) She's still not feeling it. And they actually sit down and have a little discussion, and we finally get kind of to the root of the problem with Alice is she just doesn't think she can be that good. Which we already know she can't. We've seen it from her. Yes, we have. But she's just can't buy it. Finally, Quentin is able to pull it out of her, and she grows this huge tree, apple tree, out of a seed, and uh, it's back on, even (laughs) though she goes, we're not getting back in this, as she goes to kiss him. (laughs) And then kisses him again for a really long time. I thought it was sweet, because I I don't know if it's just the way her parents are, and they, which is weird, because what we've seen of her parents, and the way she talks about them, I would are two different, like, total polar opposites. Right. Like, I feel like the way she talks, her parents are very strict, and if she wasn't perfect, that she would get in trouble. Whereas her parents were, like, super laid back and apparently into (laughs) a lot of sex magic, weird stuff, whatever. And I think it's just she was so, I don't know what the right word is, 
she's like just trying to find her confidence because they didn't like discipline her, I guess. That's the only way I can feel like she wasn't ever in trouble for what she did. So she just never really found her confidence, even though she knew she was smart. Right. I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense. I don't know. I guess she felt she was always book smart, but not necessarily street smart. But then meeting our little rogue band here, you know, she realizes she's got a lot more going on for her than than she ever thought. Right. Compared to the three of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that sounds even worse. Oh, wow. (laughs) But just she's got so much happening and she can do it. But she just always was so afraid to be that super strong. I think she just never wanted any spotlight on her. Right. But I think at this point, darling, you know, you're juiced up. So yeah. spotlight on. It's time on. to shine. <laughs> it's time to shine. Okay. Well, before we get to the moment that kind of had me a little weepy, is there anything you <laughs> want to talk about before? Because I know you know where I'm going. So is there anything you want to talk about before I get there? I don't think so. I mean, apparently we have enemies to the north and south plus broken infrastructure and huge magic issues thanks to the Beast and his wellspring addiction. Yeah, think that if there's that many people, they would try to come together at some point to defeat the Beast themselves, but alas, has not happened. (laughs) No, they are peasants waiting for a hero. (laughs) All right, well, let's get to what I'm talking about. In the armory, Alice ends up finding what equates to a workbook. Talking about super strong battle magic, but no information, no spells. Right. And uh, finally figures out, light bulb, they have to go back to break bill. Yes. Okay. One problem there. The High King cannot ever leave Fillory now. Right. So Elliot's stuck. And this is this is the moment that I was kind of getting a little teary-eyed because Quentin and Elliot are in the armory sitting there talking to each other and... That's when Elliot says, time doesn't work the same here as it does out there. Right. And it's almost like Quentin didn't realize it because he's like, oh, yeah, maybe maybe it'll be different. Maybe it'll, it won't be that long that we're gone. And then, oh, see, I'm getting a little bit clumped. Or I'll just live out my days waiting for my friends to return and die alone. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> I was just sitting there, I'm like, my jaw dropped. I could not try to tweet anything. I couldn't read any of the tweets because <laughs> it was so heartbreaking. Just that moment. And then Elliot's like, you know, you're not supposed to touch King without his permission. But I wouldn't mind hug if you hug me. me. Yeah. <laughs> and then they I hugged. think you should hug me. <laughs> and it was just so sweet. And just put a little salt in that wound, knowing that they're going to leave him and he cannot go back. That was rough. Because I thought at some point it was going to be like, oh, well, technically he died, so he's not high keying anymore. You know, the way we get around things. Kind of right. like in, you know, the world of George R. R. Martin, but whatever. <laughs> um, oh, it was hard. It, but then, you know, he has Elliot being Elliot. Yes, he <laughs> has to be Elliot. <laughs> you know, you can go ahead and squeeze my butt a little. That make it better, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was great. Now. Because I did not rewatch season one, which I probably should have. Right. Do you remember what the time frame was? Like the time difference? Well. Or, you know what? Or was it Quentin just different because and... they were in different, they weren't in Fillory originally. When right. Yeah, they were all trying to get there via separate ways. And Quentin and Julia actually had to go to the past. Right. The 40s. 
to get forward. Oh, gosh. Yeah, to get there. <laughs> All right, folks. We're going to go into the Doctor Who timey-wimey stuff here. Right. I don't know. If you remember. Sometimes it got screwy. <laughs> if you guys remember oh, the timeline, the time difference, because I thought that it depended on which, like, plane or whatever they ended up going to. Because, like, Penny was gone, and they're like, you've been gone for weeks, but he wasn't in Fillory, if I remember correctly. But if anyone out there binged it or has a way better memory, give us a, a shout. Let us know. Fangirlzonepodcast at gmail.com. We need to know about this because I'm sure somebody out there knows, and I just can't remember. Right. Oh, my gosh. So much awesomeness in this first episode and so many teases. Like, we're going to see a fawn. I yes. They keep showing it. I was waiting for it to come up on this episode. Yeah, but it didn't show. No. <laughs> so it makes me wonder, who is that woman, too, with the candy in her garden? Yes. What questions do you have, Steve, that you want to find out for season two? Oh, and who the guard is and how is he able to just flash a spell out there that makes Penny's hands not work right. That's That ain't just some Joe Blow on the street. Hmm. So, yeah, there's we met two characters in this episode that definitely have me concerned. <laughs> and, of course, the group that was there at the castle, I'm a little concerned. I haven't. I don't sense magic out of them, but I sense some treachery out of them. Let's just put it that way. Oh, so many questions. So, so much intrigue for the new season. Yes, but it looks like it's going to be awesome. I'm totally looking forward to it. Like I said before, make sure you are, if you're watching, even if all you do is post on, on Twitter, like hash, you know, I'm watching hashtag the magicians on sci-fi. Right. They're watching that. Because this is getting just one episode in. And I'm like, oh, yes, this is good. So we wanted to keep going. We definitely have questions. And anybody who's read the books, let us know what you think, how well it's translating so far, in your opinion. I think Sci-Fi has done an awesome job talking about very serious issues so far with the first season. And, you know, putting yes. out the helplines. And I hope they continue to do that. And I hope they continue to do do this and take it all as seriously and as fun as they can, if that makes sense. You know, right? You, you put everything out there, and you can. You, they're not doing it as just a plot point. Let me put it that way. So kudos to them. So we want to know what you think. Please rate and review us on iTunes on and on every platform because I'm not sure what what all the other ones have in regards to ratings. But good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends, and of course, we hope you're enjoying the podcast. And if you want to be part of our podcast, you know, shoot us an email because you can send it to us at fangirlsofpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> I am starting to get it confused with our Twitter, which you can tweet with us at fgzpodcast. Um, Steve and I will both be on there. It depends on who's off at what time, who's going to be able to do right. it. Right. One of us will try to be yeah. there. And then, of course, you know, we have our Facebook page. We have www.fangirlzone.com where you can always leave comments on the podcast and tell us what you think. And, of course, make sure you, you tag all these people who are part of it, part of the magician. Maybe yes. they'll see it enough and want to come on and talk to all of you guys, too. Why not? Absolutely. Why not? All right. So for episode 52 of... This is Steve. Wow. Swallowing has its privileges. Not a line I ever thought I'd hear on television. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I'm Sean Fangirl S. And until next time. <laughs>